He is good news indeed. Hey, it's good to see you today. I'm glad we're together. I'm glad we're together for this purpose, to worship our God, to celebrate his good presence for our lives, and the great work that he does in us and through us, all in the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're so thankful to uh, be alongside you, as Ashley said, and Christy and Cheryl, to be alongside you uh, in regard to uh, support of these young children. It was great to hear them sing. Boy, there was uh, great excitement. I was watching the banners go back and forth. I was praying to God in heaven that the one right here was not going to catch on fire. <laughs> it, was, it was awfully close. I caught on fire at a wedding one time, believe it or not. I'll tell you that story another time, but uh, it can happen, believe me. Morehouse College uh, is an historic black college in Atlanta, Georgia. You might have uh, heard of it. At its uh, 2019 commencement, billionaire uh, investor Robert Smith, and also an alumnus of Morehouse, was tapped to deliver uh, the commencement address that year. And at the conclusion of his address, Smith shared with the graduates that he and his family would take on the student's debt and they would pay for it. And the crowd was stunned, absolute silence. And then the students couldn't contain themselves. There were a lot of cheers, and as you might expect, there were a lot of tears. Smith encouraged those uh, students to pay it forward, and I'm sure that many of them have been doing just that. Smith took on their, their debts and saw those debts were forgiven and made their accounts right. That's good news. And it's much the same that God does for us when it comes to the debts we owe Him. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, the debt incurred by our sin is once and for all forgiven. That too is good news. In fact, it is the greatest good news that the world has ever known. Let's read about that as we uh, turn to the Scripture. We read today from Romans, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 5. You'll find these words so written. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is God's Word, and may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us, not only as we hear this Word read, but as we make effort now to take our lives and apply them to this Word. You probably uh, remember the movie from a few years back, National Treasure. It, it starred Nicolas Cage, Cage, Cage's character, Ben Gates, who of all things stole the Declaration of Independence 
and did that only so that he could later on save it. Gates was also interested in the treasure map that he was just sure was on the back of the Declaration of Independence. That map would, uh, would lead whoever could solve the, the, the map and get to it to the famed fortune of the Knights Templar. At the end of the movie, the authorities finally catch up with Ben and his uh, band of accomplice, accomplices where he was ready to turn over the Declaration and of all things, begin to plead his case. Let's take a couple of minutes and uh, check out this scene from National Treasure. Just like that? Just like that. You do know you just handed me your biggest bargaining chip. Declaration of Independence is not a bargaining chip. Not to me. Have a seat. So what's your offer? Oh, how about a bribe? Say, uh, $10 billion? I take it you found the treasure. It's about five stories beneath your shoes. Hmm. You know, the Templars and the Freemasons believed that the treasure was too great for any one man to have, not even a king. That's why they went to such lengths to keep it hidden. That's right. The Founding Fathers believe the same thing about government. I figure their solution will work for the treasure, too. Give it to the people. Divide it amongst the Smithsonian, the Louvre, the Cairo Museum. There's thousands of years of world history down there. And it belongs to the world. And everybody in it. You really don't understand the concept of a bargaining chip. Okay. Here's what I want. Dr. Chase gets off completely clean. Not even a little posted on his service record. Okay. I want the, the credit for the fine to go to the entire Gates family with the assistance of Mr. Riley Poole. What about you? I'd really love not to go to prison. I can't even begin to describe how much I would love not to go to prison. Someone's got to go to prison, man. Somebody's got to go to prison, Ben. In so many words, the official was saying somebody has to pay. Somebody has to pay for what has been done. Now, the agent really, really didn't care who it was. If you remember, Bent was uh, content to pass that along to his nemesis, Ian. Somebody has to pay. That's the way it is when it comes to the wrong of our lives. Somebody has to pay. As we have already quoted in this uh, sermon series, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus takes on what is ours and makes it his own. And all that takes place in the mix of what Jesus does on the cross. He, he takes away our sin. He pays the ultimate price. And he does so with his life. 
and paves the way for our forgiveness. That's the story of the good news of of Jesus Christ. As we uh, said last week, because of God's righteousness, He simply does not tolerate sin. His love, though, paves the way for that same sin to be dealt with. The good news is that we serve a righteous yet loving God, a righteous God, yet a loving God, whose every desire it is for you and me to be made right. There there is no bargaining chip here, save for the full surrender of our lives to Him. We hear in our passage for today another one of those uh, churchy words. The, The word for today is justification. Simply put, justification means to be made right with. Justification is not a matter of of what we do, but but so much a, a matter of what God does, what God does for us at the point of our salvation or the, the season of our salvation. And every bit of that, what God does for us, is tied to the cross. What Jesus did on the cross is both hard to understand, and it is critically tough to, uh, to face. John Wesley, the, the, the founder of the, of the Methodist movement, used to say that when it came to, to such things, he approached the Lord empty-handedly. A turn as if empty-handedly, he said. He didn't want to report that he had done anything, that he had earned God's good favor, save for the humble submission of his life, God's direction through Jesus Christ. I turned to God empty-handedly. Justification can be viewed three ways. From a legal point of view, justification is the opposite of being condemned. A defendant is pronounced innocent, all at the behest of the judge. We read from John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And that just following that great passage from John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. From the point of view of a, of a printer, Justification means uh, removing all the rough edges, all the uneven places. One, if not both, of the edges are lined up. We do that all the time with our computers. We push the button and everything is justified. From a theological point of view, justification has to do with, with making one righteous and freeing that person from blame and guilt. Christ work on the cross makes that possible in the eyes of the Lord, freeing us from the very things that holds us. There's not one thing that Jesus did on the cross that was deserved. The pain and suffering that he endured certainly wasn't deserved. The forgiveness that we experience, the forgiveness that we understand on account of what Jesus did on the cross isn't deserved either. Yet God, in His love, offered His only begotten Son to make all that possible. 
to make it possible, a reality for our lives, that we would be forgiven. All this is a matter of grace, the free gift of God's love. Sometimes I I feel we we fail to grasp the the seriousness of what Jesus did. We, We are more likely to turn away than to face the cross, much less to face our own sin. It's just kind of in us to do that. It's, it's tough to, to stand at the foot of the cross, much less have to turn inward and to face ourselves. When we do face the cross, there is sweet release, the great potential, the reality of once and for all being forgiven. By God's grace, things are, are made right. Our record is wiped clean. We are freed from the past and propelled to, new, to move forward into the life that God desired for us all along. You are probably aware that there are all sorts of companies these days that have the ability to take a, a person's social media account and to clean it up, if you will. One such company is Scrubber, and there are many, of, many other companies that do the very same thing. Students applying for college, others who are pursuing a job, will often use the services of Scrubber or a company of like kind, just to kind of, kind of dress things up so that things won't be discovered of what had taken, taken place in, in past events. You've heard it said that there is nothing more serious as pressing send on your computer or your, or your phone. There are indeed consequences to what's posted. There's something freeing, though, about having things cleaned up, whether it has to do with social media or just, just life in general. There's something freeing about having things all clean. Jesus does that with our lives. The forgiveness he makes possible because of the cross puts all of that behind us and and gives us the ability to then look forward and to do so with all hope that he will continue to guide us as he would want to, to guide. All of this, again, is a matter of grace, the free gift of his love. I read just this week from the devotional Jesus Calling a good word about such things. As you may know, Jesus' calling is, uh, is written from the first person, as if Jesus is in fact speaking. And so in this uh, one installment of this daily devotional, hear this, allow the light of my healing presence to shine into the deepest recesses of your being, cleansing, healing, refreshing, and renewing you. Trust me enough to accept the full forgiveness that I offer you continually. This great gift, which cost me my life, is all about eternity. Forgiveness is at the very core of my abiding presence. Forgiveness at the core of who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. I'm sure you've noticed the, the, the number of bright red doors that, uh, that adorn the, the, the front of, fronts of many churches throughout our community. 
In fact, I remember a, a poster that was uh, placed uh, at St. Paul Church, where I served years ago, that showed the, the, the doors of, of Louisville. Uh, the doors of St. Paul were, were there. They were, they were painted red, as many other uh, doors of many churches uh, throughout town. I understand that years ago in Europe, a soldier was not permitted to pursue an enemy who had entered through one of those doors. Those doors were a symbol of refuge and, and, and sanctuary for everybody who entered. Those red doors also signified the blood of Christ that had been shed so that all who entered would be saved. The great passage Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will, will come in and have fellowship with that person and that person with me. How interesting. And upon opening the door of our hearts to Christ, we begin to recognize that the door to God has always been opened. Christ paved the way for that to take place, made it possible, all of that possible, through his death on the cross. Such is the good news of God's grace. Paul puts it well when he writes uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 and 19, all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself. He did that through Christ and, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. We're freed, forgiven, and freed. Reconciliation brings peace between ourselves and God, no longer the enmity that, that is caused by the wrong that we do, but now peace, again, all because of Jesus. And we also know that there is, is then a potential for peace to transpire between people. Just as we have been forgiven, we then turn and find ourselves better able to forgive those who are around us. In our passage for today from Romans, the, the fifth chapter, Paul talks about peace as a byproduct of what God offers in Jesus. He also talks about hope. He talks about peace and that there is no longer the, that enmity between us and God. Our relationship with God is strong in, in every way, again, because of Christ. There's hope. There's hope in that there is strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Great is His faithfulness. You can just hear that song ringing. Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. That's why Paul can, uh, can reference the stresses and strains of life. He talks about the suffering of life, and, and all of us are challenged in, the, in this life. And in that context, he talks about patience. He talks about uh, character. He, he talks about hope. All of these things are ours in Christ. They provide a way forward now and for all eternity patience, character, and hope now and forevermore. In Christ, we can make it through any failing that might be ours. 
I hope you affirm that. Any circumstance that might weigh us down, I hope you're experiencing that. And any degree of doubt that might come our way, and I hope that you are overcoming that battle because let's, let's face it, every one of us have doubts. But in the power of God's Spirit and in the name of Christ, the one who lived and died and, and rose again, we are able to overcome those doubts, to know Him fully through faith and trust. We have hope. And that hope, as Paul says, will never disappoint us. At this point uh, in his uh, paraphrase of the Bible, uh, Eugene Peterson in his message has this to say. He says, we simply can't round up enough containers. We cannot round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. He's continually bestowing upon our lives blessing after blessing, strength after strength, even to the point of forgiving us at the very point where we need to be forgiven. Praise be to God. I can't resist telling this story. In a San Diego uh, courtroom uh, a few years back, two men were on trial for, uh, for robbery. A witness was being examined by the prosecuting attorney who asked the following, were you there at the, the, the scene when the robbery took place? And the witness said yes. Did you observe the two robbers? And again, the witness said yes. And then the attorney sort of got cranked up a little bit. His, his volume began uh, to be a bit louder, and he boomed out his last question. Are, are these two men present in the courtroom? And the witness didn't ha have a chance to respond. The two guys uh, sitting there both raised their hands, and they were guilty. All of sin, and they fall short of the glory of God. We are all guilty. We're all raising our hands if we're honest with ourselves. We're all aware of presidential pardons. Governors famous for commuting sentences. Some with, uh, with great controversy. My good friend Maxie Dunham tells the story of a young man in his church who was charged with, some, with a pretty serious crime. Maxie was asked to come to the courthouse that day if perchance he would have been called on to give a, a, a character reference. The strangest thing happened. The judge called the, the boy forward and said this, I know you're guilty, but I pronounce you innocent. And down came the gavel. Now that's justification. The way it is for those who give their lives to Jesus and know and experience the love and forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ, the one who takes our place, the one who takes on our sin, the one who gives his life so that we might be forgiven, and not just forgiven, but freed from the weight of sin thereafter. Although guilty of sin, we are pronounced as innocent, and down comes the gavel, all on account of what Jesus did on the cross. Thank God that through Christ, 
He has paved the way for our salvation. Where we, yeah, you and me, are forgiven and freed. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. And God, we thank you for the great gift that is Jesus. We are thankful for this one you sent in all love. We thank you, Lord, for his every desire to to be in lockstep with your will. We are thankful that he was ready to go to any lengths in order to share your love. God, as tough as it is to consider the cross, as tough as it is even to consider the state of our lives sometimes, we thank you for Jesus who gives us all peace, all hope, and makes it possible for us to once and for all be forgiven. Thank you, Lord, for the the power of the cross. And here in this Lenten season, we pray that we uh, continually find ourselves at the foot of the cross, not only considering who we are, but above all things, considering who you are and all that you did through your son, Jesus. Lord, we stand in the shadow of the cross and all we can do is offer ourselves humbly and with an empty hand. We seek to open the the door of our hearts to you. We pray that you come in in the presence of your Son, and have fellowship with us, and may we enjoy fellowship with you. Great you are, and greatly to be praised. We do love you. We need you. We give you our lives with an empty hand. Thank you for receiving us. We ask this prayer in the name of Christ. Again, the one who lived and died, and rose again. Amen.